sales prospect is shown, supported by lead, A, sales rep, and a 5,000 company helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Jill Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leadasalesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Well, yeah, the listeners who follow this show know that I love talking to people about a lot of stuff and uh, interesting businesses and different industry verticals and just people who are serving the business industry, the B2B market. Uh, and today uh, we're going to have a great conversation with Michelle Tinsley, who is a COO of a company called Yellowbird. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about what they do there. Uh, and how they work with organizations to uh, help them remain compliant and manage risk and a whole bunch of things of that nature. And uh, Michelle has an interesting background. We're going to get into that as well. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. And, um, you know, before we had this, uh, you know, before we started this uh, uh, discussion today, we had a prior conversation about your background which is very interesting, um, you know, and how and what you're doing right now. This organization, your company's been around about three years, correct? Yeah, three and a half years. And I say it's always funny how things come in a full circle. I actually started my career in corporate America at Intel, and I was in the finance function, but supported the wafer factories for 10 years. So you really got an appreciation for what a strong safety culture can do for a company, its employees, its vendors, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, basically went into division landed Intel, learned product, was a general manager, and lastly went into sales. Unfortunately, I got caught up in a corporate reorg and found myself leaving the company in 2017, happily just saying, I want to chart my own course, become a consultant. And one year into that, realized it wasn't terribly rewarding that, you know, you, you do all this hard work, customers pay you, the, the pay is great, but there's no permanence or utility sometimes to what you're doing. They say, thank you. And then they don't do anything. Um, so when I got an opportunity to join as co-founder at Yellowbird and start something that can truly shift the dynamic for how we leverage the safety function and skill set, the environmental skills of our workers and risk management people. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, this is what I call not a very sexy market, but super important. It literally will save lives and hopefully send people home with all their fingers and toes and, to their loved ones and family. So you saw this opportunity where uh, you have a lot of these kind of consultants working in uh, your space, and we'll get into that, uh, and somehow consolidating them, managing them, putting them into a platform where you can, and I guess, pull them as needed to serve clients, right? So talk to us a little bit about, about those kind of people and, and how you, know, you kind of put them together into some kind of platform and get their skills together and uh, help organizations, I guess, respond to those needs that they have. Yeah. So Yellowbird's model is we are a gig matching marketplace. So we essentially are going where labor markets are going, which is high degree of freedom, high degree of independence for these workers, but also it's being upskilled. So yes, gigs work did start with low pay, you know, mm -hmm. driving Uber or Lyft or wagging, you know, walking a dog. But now we're getting into the much more professional space, higher hourly rates. 
And what we're realizing in these folks, while they're amazing experts at the world of safety or risk or environmental skills, they're maybe not the greatest search engine optimization digital marketing people. And so what we're doing as a company is marketing across the United States to key verticals like construction, manufacturing, logistics, um, and essentially exposing the skills and what these folks can do, whether it be a on-site consult, on-site training of a class, um, we do policy creation. So sometimes they say, hey, in like in Arizona last year, there's a new heat stress uh, regulatory um, effect that went into place. Company may not have had a policy for how we're going to manage heat stress of our construction workers out in the summer in Arizona. And so we can have one of our consultants go do that. All right, what we see is kind of different personas of our professionals, some of which they do own and run their own companies. And they see working with Yellowbirds just a nice way to top up get extra revenue for their business. Um, they don't have to go all in. They can still run their own company and have their independence, but we're sending more volume their way. And we're exposing those skill sets to nationwide, you know, companies that are using us. Yeah, so they pick up uh, your your workers, we'll call them, or your gig workers, your 1099, mm -hmm. your consultants, they pick up extra work um, through you, right? And you have the client, right? The client, you're kind of almost matching, right? The the you're the you're the person managing everything, but you're connecting that that worker, a gig worker, to that job, right? Yes, and in this space, it's highly regulated, so no two safety people are the same. Uh, what we're doing is ingesting their exact backgrounds, experiences, and credentials, and then using that to make the match. Because you may be amazing at say mining safety, but we can't put you onto a construction site. You wouldn't have the right credentials, and so we're seeing on average about. Um, 10 to 20 professional certifications per person on our platform. And we've seen a total breadth of about 190 different certifications and experiences that these people have had. Um, everything from radiation safety, again, mining, construction, you know, to some of the more exotic courses that need to be um, trained. And so that's really, again, a client can come to us. We're not your generic, you know, Upwork website. Uh, mm -hmm. where if you type in, I need somebody for safety, you're going to get the mall cop. You know, um, these people are highly professional. A lot of them been in their career 15, 20, 30 years. Wow. So um, you shared an example about um, the heat issues over there, let's say in Arizona. You're in Arizona, right? Yeah, um, we're headquartered so, in Phoenix. Yeah. Right. So it's hot over there um, just a bit. Uh, so um, I just had a Super Bowl, too. Uh, yes. And, and I'm <laughs> curious how that was over there with all that, all those people. I don't know how far you were from the from the Super Bowl. Um, but but that said, um, you raised the question of heat and, and workers and construction. And um, can you give us a little bit uh, background for the audience of like uh, in a construction setting, uh, a challenge that they may have and they come to you with with you know with a particular need and like maybe the one you just exa the example you just gave um because i know construction is a you know a high injury high risk kind of place um so talk to a little bit about an example of how you would help a, a thousand five hundred four hundred employee a construction firm with a particular issue yes so the first thing we love to do is come in and just do a third party independent walkthrough so again being someone not working for the company not in the political chain of command really just looking at what are they doing well what could they improve on what we sometimes come in and do is um, job hazard assessments and or uh, morning toolbox talks so starting the day with the safety talk 
which a lot of times are like, it's the same people, the same content, people aren't really listening. Okay, here's a way to get them to engage with new content, a new voice, you know, to be heard, someone bringing in other company examples, you know, to the conversation and making it fresh. Um, but a lot of times what these safety folks have is a lot of the basics are covered. You know, their workers have already had an OSHA 10 course. Maybe they've even had an OSHA 30 hour course. We're typically coming and doing the more um, exotic like excavation training or fall protection training if they're working at a height, mm -hmm. um, making sure that they're doing their rigging, you know, correctly. And so it's really that kind of more nuanced where somebody on site may not have that kind of training and we can then come to them mm. um, in the forklift, you know, supply chain kind of industry. We like mm. to go train people on the forklift that they're going to be using on a daily basis, mm -hmm. because, again, forklifts could have modifications or accessory packages. So you can't really get certified on one that's at a vendor location. It's got to be the one you're going to be using daily. And there's both a classroom component and then a hands-on where our instructor will throw a few curveballs, you know, as they put cones mm -hmm. out, because that's what life does, right? I mean, nothing ever works as completely as planned. And these workers need to be able to respond to the unexpected in a safe manner. Yeah, I didn't even realize that when we spoke about that forklift thing, I thought all forklifts were the same. Uh, and you have to be trained in that particular forklift at that, you know, that the one that they're using at that job site, at that warehouse manufacturing plant um but it, it's interesting i didn't even know that that's um, yeah it's, sadly it's not like a, a consumer driver's license where if i'm licensed on any car i can drive any car it's it's actually much more nuanced yeah wow yeah and um do you see particular gaps in you know in the construction vertical that that some of the companies are not doing a particular kind of training do you see gaps um, based on what you see coming into your organization from like, well, we need this. Um, yeah, do you see I, that generally? Think, yeah, the, the challenge this industry has had is over the last 20 years, there, there was a lot of progress. So there was a lot of reduction in accident, injury and death rates. Mm -hmm. But I would say over the last five to 10 years, it has sadly plateaued. And so I think we're getting down into the tougher problems to solve, which are more cultural. There's still sadly some companies out there that feel like it's too expensive to have good safety. Um, and so they just cut corners or feel like, well, we'll do the bare minimum. We'll put up the posters, you know, we'll teach the introductory courses and we'll call it good. Um, and sadly, that kind of mentality, anytime somebody as a worker gets complacent or feels like they've got it, you know, totally handled is when the accidents start happening. And so, you know, it's, it's that constant vigilance and awareness. It needs to be part of the culture. Um, this is where my consulting and kind of digital transformation comes to mind, because with digital transformation, you're trying to change behaviors. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get people to use a new tool or do something different. Safety is very much the same way. It's very behaviorally based. It's got to be, you know, reinforced, not just the safety leader, but the supervisors, the management, the ownership team has to also value it and, and value the workers, you know. And so the companies that do it right, I see them trying to get the workers to make a personal connection of why they not only want to keep themselves safe, but you're also a liability to your coworkers. You need to be, again, fully ahead in the game because some mistake you may make could cause a death or an injury to a coworker. And so they really need everybody, you know, kind of really all in every day to make sure that they're um, thinking of how to do things the right way and maybe slow down a little bit to get the end job done correctly. No, that's great. Is there a direct correlation possibly between receiving advanced training in your organization in the construction 
and decreased insurance rates? Is there a connection? Because you can make the investment ROI argument that I'm yes. paying 50 grand a year in insurance. I'm going to spend nine grand over here. My insurance is going to drop to 40K this year and next year. Is there a direct correlation there? There absolutely is. Um, insurance rates are set based on your risk profile. And that is one of the types of gigs we do on the insurer side of our platform is mm -hmm. we go in and do loss control audits to underwrite the workers' comp policy. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're our pros are going in and looking for, again, that day in and day out, is safety really part of their culture? Are they doing an above average job at a safety you know mentality or are they just complying are they just average or scarily enough are they below average where they're not even aware that they have these big gaping risks and they're not managing them um, and that underwriting assessment will then become of how they set your rates what's interesting is today an osha fine just the regular fine is thirteen thousand dollars Wow. A lot of times we get in again with this third party independent assessment could be as little as $1,500. So you go, that's a little more than 10% of what an OSHA fine is. And mm. so again, if you're proactively addressing this, mm -hmm. it's not just the safety, well-being and good culture for your workers. It's actually beneficial bottom line to make some sort of proactive investment in your worker safety. Wow. That's, um, wow. That's significant. The, uh, the OSHA fines. Um, and uh, clearly there's an ROI there, right? There's no, mm -hmm. there's no question. So if you're talking to a CEO uh, or a CFO um, about what you're doing and says, yeah, let's do this. Apart from doing the right thing for your workers, right. you know, which is the most important thing, right? There's also a financial benefit to the organization on the bottom line, right? Um, as well. So that you you play in the construction space, right? That's a place that, that mm -hmm. you play in. And um, there's also the manufacturing uh, space as well. Can you tell us a little bit about you know that kind of industry and 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 what you may be doing as an example, right? Uh, in that space um, to help those companies. Absolutely. So in the manufacturing space, it's a lot of kind of getting into the what exact kind of manufacturing are they doing because. It could be something where they're working with food, where you need an industrial hygienist to make sure that the line is FDA, you know, food safe compliant, or it could be something that's generating dust. You know, is there a respirator need for their workers, you know, to make sure that their breathing apparatuses are fitting properly? Um, there's usually a lot of machine guarding, making sure that, you know, fingers and arms or limbs are not getting into the machinery um, and having issues there a lot of electrical workloads. So looking at lockout and tag out, you know, when someone goes to do a preventative maintenance on a machine and they lock it out, make sure that somebody else at the manufacturing facility doesn't go, why is this tool off? Let's flip it online. And now it goes into an electrified state while somebody's working on it. Um, so there's just, those are some of the big ones. Um, but we obviously do things like looking at wastewater runoff streams. We, you know, have on our environmental side, there's EPA compliance. Um, any kind of emissions tracking. Um, we've had, uh, unfortunately, one company, it's not necessarily manufacturing, but they're refurbishing um, uh, historical windows. Hmm. And unfortunately, that means the paint they're dealing with has lead. Hmm. And so there was actually need for a lead abatement program because sadly their workers had lead in their bloodstream. And so hmm. it, it's one of these where you go, it, it really gets into the what exact kind of manufacturing. If it's a, a biomed, you know, kind of thing, there could be bloodborne pathogen risks. There could be, 
you know, other inhalant, you know, risks if there's solvents being used. And so that's where it really in encourages getting the right safety professional in there. And the interesting thing is it goes hand in hand with quality systems as well. So a lot of our um, EHS professionals that have worked in the manufacturing space have also done work in the quality world as well, because if you have good manufacturing practices for quality, a lot of times that is synergistic with good safety practices as well. Can you um, act at all as a as a buffer or as a liaison with like federal agencies. When you talked about the runoff water and stuff, I started thinking of the EPA, which is what you said. Uh, um, you know, do you act like a buffer? Like, okay, where we have a runoff situation here and where we may be cited. Do you turn around and do an environmental impact report? And then you give that report to the EPA Would you kind of, interface there or do you give it to the organization and they got to deal with the federal bureaucracy? We would, we would do work for the organization. Um, yeah. Certainly, again, we are here and that's the beauty of our models. We're here for the burst capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, again, a lot of these companies, especially when we got into COVID, they're like, I don't have an industrial hygienist on staff. I don't know how many air changes an hour I'm getting in this space. Um, so rather than hire somebody that's quite expensive, because that's a very, um, you know, specialized skill set, they can get them for just a day or two, you know, to come up, depending on the, how much space and how many air handlers they have to come up yeah. with something like that. So we will work in those situations. We actually just had last month one where a company was unfortunately getting an OSHA fine and they didn't even know, you know, okay, the stuff that's coming up in this fine, we don't know how to decipher it and what our potential plan of action or remediation could be. So we, we literally just had our person do a phone consult for an hour to start getting them understanding of what you know they're facing. And now let's put a go forward plan together with them um, to remediate those issues. And a lot of times the fines can be negotiated if, you, if the regulatory body sees that you're taking it seriously and putting the right steps in place. Um, and the challenge for these business owners is we, we the latest data report we saw was from 2021, there were 57,000 changes in regulations when it comes to environmental health and worker safety just that year. So that's across the US and Canada. So it is, you know, again, there's, if you think about it, the myriad of regulatory bodies, especially when you get into environmental, there's federal level EPA, but there's also state, there's um, county level and sometimes city level um, environmental regulations that you need to cover. So um, whereas the the uh, worker safety, the OSHA piece is either federal or your state may have a state run program. Um, but at least within a state, it's fairly consistent. Um, the the environmental is where it gets really tricky. Wow, yeah, that's uh, every agency wants their piece of the action, the state, local, and federal, right? Um, well, we say a lot of times these safety workers are the one and only at their company, and so um, it's impossible to be a specialist in everything. And so we yeah. say, you know, again, you know your company, you know your culture, you know your budgets and your workers. Mm -hmm. Do what you can in-house. We are not here to kick out, you know, the in-house EHS folks. We are here to supplement, augment, and bring in the right specialty skill set when they need it. Um, so essentially, you know, coming in and you may not know a ton about radiation safety, but you can get a pro off our platform that does that and only use it for when you need it. No, that's great. And you have uh, people in all the uh, all these different positions and skill sets across the country, right? Um, yes, we now have somebody in every state. Um, you know, some states like uh, Texas, we have over a thousand professionals on our platform. Mm. Um, we wow. do even include Puerto Rico. Um, so we are just U.S. only right now, but we we are getting 
I want to say we have 1,100 people nationwide, um, and we keep building it every day. Um, there's more people each week that come through and become what we call match ready, meaning they're ready to go do work. No, that's great, and they, they that gig kind of setup where they you credent you 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 they come onto your platform, you speak with them, you credential them, you get all their background and experience, and you plug them in, um, and hopefully assign them to a particular need in a particular market, right? Um, mm -hmm. to serve the customer, right? Uh, and you're kind Absolutely. of you're kind of managing that 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 process. Talk to us a little bit about um about the supply chain um uh, part, right? We talked about manufacturing, a little bit about construction uh, on supply chain. Um, you know how you help there, in maybe a scenario, um, how you would be able to help a company that um, could use you. Yeah, so we've, um, again, initially gone in and done a, these what we call mock OSHA inspections of a warehouse, but mm -hmm. also the company. Mm -hmm. So we will, for instance, have our safety professional look at their driving logs and see, you know, how many incidents, accidents, near misses they had. Um, and then a lot of times what that turns into is potential for things like a defensive driver training program that gets rolled out to all drivers, a distracted driver training program. Mm -hmm. um, we also have done work where, again, we're always doing the forklift certifications, but working at a height. Um, how are they using boom lifts, cranes? A lot of times in a warehouse, there's a mini crane to lift heavier workloads. Um, so we, we do quite a bit with the trucking, um, the, you know, the to and from the warehouse and, and all around. Uh, there's DOT, Dep Department of Transportation Certifications where uh, the vehicles need to be inspected on a regular basis, but there's also, you know, making sure that just every day it's safe for operation. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the heavier use case ones, um, but there are quite a few, you know, if you're uh, someone who's transporting a hazardous cargo, there's additional, you know, certifications and safety checks that can go on there. Yeah, has maps and things like that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a fun one called Has Whopper, <laughs> which is, it's a three-day Whopper like a burger, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. um, and, and that's one where you're dealing with some hazardous um, chemicals and energies, you know, and making sure that, again, you have a co comprehensive program to manage that. So some of the consultants, you know, that you have in the in your, your organization and um, there, I mean, clearly, I'm trying to be more practical and tactical in our conversation. Organizations may need, let's say, manuals to be written or they may need physical on-site training or virtual training. I'm assuming you you provide that through your your network of people. They need those kind of things. Is that correct? Absolutely. So yeah. last year we looked at it, our fourth highest location with 10% of the volume was virtual. And what we love about that is we can pulse our nationwide network of professionals. So let's say someone lives in Rhode Island and we haven't yet done on-site work in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. um, they can still get invited to go do this work if it's virtual and they have the right credentials and skill set. Um, so our sales team, their job is to find out what does a client need? Let's scope this. Let's price it. Let's get their approval in writing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we will send it out to our network of professionals um, to match that, you know, to the right skill set. We will, if it's something on site, we'll start with a 30 mile radius. We try to keep everything local mm -hmm. uh, because, again, a lot of times they love our professionals. They want them to come back. Um, so, again, this is where we're really removing the friction and the um, kind of underutilization and craziness of, you know, back in the day at Intel, they would come up with a new safety training and they'd fly the worker around the world to go roll it out. And now you go, you can centrally create the training in our network of EHS professionals can roll it out on your behalf. Um, 
same consistent PowerPoint, same speaker notes, you know, but you now don't need people sitting in an airport waiting for a flight that's delayed. Um, all that underutilization is really expensive to companies. No, 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 that's that's uh that's awesome. How does how does um someone uh uh engage, let's say, with Yellowbird, right? We're talking with uh, Michelle Tinsley, the COO of Yellowbird, um, an organization based out of Arizona. Uh, and how how does someone engage with you? Like, what is the process? Is it like they reach out to you, they have a particular need, you discuss it, you do a Zoom, or you bring somebody local is, is over there, they go meet, you do a proposal, then there's a quote. I mean, how how, how, do, how does people engage with you? How does the process roll out? Yeah, so it really just starts with our website. Um, we have quite a bit of information there, but essentially if they're a paying client and they need safety work done, mm -hmm. they can just sign up as a company on our platform. There's no fee, no charge. What that does is sends a signal to our sales team. So within 24 hours, somebody will reach out. Um, but a lot of this, again, can happen via Zoom. We can move very quickly. Again, in some of these more emergency situations, you know, we sadly had somebody call us and need work on an employee whose arm was amputated, you know, and find out what, what happened. Um, we had somebody there within eight hours on site um, in, in that just happened to be Yuma, Arizona. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's one of these where we will meet you where you're at, but that said, it's pretty intuitive and, and most of our customers can go ahead and put a job through on their own. You don't have to wait for sales. If you know what you want, mm -hmm. it's either this particular class or I want a mock OSHA inspection to kind of see how we tune up. Um, they can do that on their own. And then basically where we're going to now is working with a lot of very large companies mm -hmm. to again, do a lot of these, I need a hundred locations assessed. I need 200 locations assessed, or I need the same delivery of uh, safety training to all my employees at all my various locations. That's where our network comes, you know, to into a wonderful, you know, uh, situation because there's no other company out there that has this kind of army of expert, you know, resources out there to tap into. That's a very good example. So in that example where they have 200 locations across the U.S. and they need a training that to be implemented to all their team, whatever that's in the manufacturing process, warehouse, are you uh, teaching their curriculum and then you have the professional teaching it and kind of presenting that content? Is that what's happening? Yeah, we usually, like we have one provider um, and they have literally 500 different locations across the United States doing um auto repair and kind of uh, service for their mm -hmm. brand of cars. Mm -hmm. And so basically uh, we worked with them and it was like $500 to develop the forklift training curriculum. Mm -hmm. And now that is branded for their company. And we have our local pros go ahead and deliver that same branded curriculum to every location. Um, and we we're now seeing about 25, 30 of those a month coming through. So again, it's whenever they need it, we're seeing some of the same locations pop up about six months later mm -hmm. because of employee turnover. They've got to retrain people. Um, someone mm -hmm. who operates a forklift has to actually be retrained every 18 months at a minimum. But with turnover, a lot of times that's more like six to 12 months. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, very interesting. So um, as we uh, begin to wrap up here, uh, you, if you could put into, you know, two minutes, uh, the yellow bird value prop, right. The service offering, uh, for our, for our audience and, um, and how they could, uh, reach you, uh, in that process, um, to kind of get to, or you, you know, your people internally, necessarily you per se, but they want to get reach you too, <laughs> to speak to you, uh, directly. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, give us that two minute, um, uh, elevator pitch. 
Yeah, I think what we're doing is we're just making safety accessible and affordable to all, you know, by starting on our website, they can articulate what they need. And literally within days, we'll have somebody on site, you know, to go ahead and get that work done for you. I think the beauty on the pro side, it's a win-win because we're extending careers or giving people extra income that is worth their while. Last year, our average hourly payout to a pro was $75 an hour. Um, so it, it's not entry level work by any means. Well, that's good. I mean, and again, like you said, some of them have their own organization or consulting firms and are doing individual stuff and they supplement the work with some of the work that you provide and um, it makes everybody happy, right? You, you, yeah. you, you help to meet the client's needs. They also get some work, which is fantastic. Now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, other stuff, lightning uh, round questions here. Uh, and it's more about, about, about you. Um, so if um if you uh, had the ability to go anywhere um, and time and money was not an issue, where would you go? I am itching to go to Antarctica. It's mm. it's the last continent I have not been to, and I just want to go before it's all melted. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, so Antarctica, that's great. Um, if you had a, um, and this is an interesting question because people tend to uh, always connect this to business. It's not necessarily business related. It can be. Um, uh, if you had a superpower um, that you were given, um, it doesn't have to be work-related. Since we're in a business conversation, people tend to automatically connect it to business, right? Um, uh, it, it can be. Um, what would that superpower be? I have an amazing memory, and uh, my my husband and kids are very unfortunate for that reason because I remember everything. <laughs> but workwise, it comes in handy because I'm I, I literally this morning reconnected with a pro off our platform that signed up three years ago, and I'm like, yes, I know you, and you did this work, and he's like, wow, that was <laughs> so. But I just have this; it's both kind of visual, photographic memory, but it's like stuff sticks. So, um, you know, it, it comes in handy when you meet people. I then feel like I really know about them, and if we bump into each other two years from now, I'll say, "Yeah, we did that Lisa Sales Rep podcast," and you're going to be like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's great. Um, food items: uh, pizza. I love pizza. I was born in Chicago, so it's deep dish Chicago style. Gotcha. There's always an argument who has the best pizza, but we won't we won't go there right now. But <laughs> deep dish um, hot dogs. I do like a good Chicago hot dog. There you, yeah. there you go. All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're consistent. Uh, yep. Hamburgers. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much a foodie. So I think the only food I don't eat is avocado. Um, because I say it doesn't like me. I, I can't tolerate it. It just makes me sick. So uh, sadly, I have to here in Arizona and California is a disaster. I always have to make sure they're not slipping it in somewhere. <laughs> uh, coffee, hot or cold? Hot. Hot coffee. All right. Uh, when you um, when you uh, listen to um, if you're working out, if, that, if you happen to be one of those people, not everybody does. OK, so uh, if you happen to be walking or doing something, you're on the beach or are you listening to music? You listen to podcasts? What, what you know, what watching a movie? I'm, I'm a big music lover. Um, yeah. And I and I change up the music based on the mood. Um, but I like even I'm going skiing this weekend and uh, I love to you. have, you know, my my music in and i'm kind of like you know going to the beat down the hill and uh yeah it kind of lets you get in the zone oh that's nice that's nice uh what about reading are you uh do you prefer to read a book paperback form you know uh, in real form or, or on a digital device 
I, I have succumbed to the Kindle just because it allows you to bring three, four or five books in a tiny little thin thing when you fly in an airplane. Mm -hmm. But I do love the feel of a paper. And sometimes these bigger books where you got to flip back and forth, it is actually more handy to have the paper. I gotcha. I gotcha. And um, if, uh, if, if you have your preference to see a movie uh, and it comes out on Amazon, but also comes out in the theater, what do you do first? You go to a theater and, and have the experience or you want to stay home and have it there? I'm into the experience. I love the big booming, you know, your seats vibrate. Surround sound, right? And then, I mean, the popcorn, it's bad for you, but it's so good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I figure you got to have the full experience, especially post-COVID. You kind of cherish things like that now that you took for granted in the past. No, that's great. We're talking with uh, Michelle uh, Tinsley, COO of uh, Yellowbird, and uh, it's been a great conversation about what they do there. They're helping companies manage their risk, taking care of particular situations that need to be addressed um, with staff and um, you know facilities and manuals and trainings and a whole bunch of stuff, keep them out of trouble, uh, and also also uh, decrease insurance rates, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, and um, you know, helping organizations protect their employees and make the work environment safer. Um, it's a great conversation. I enjoyed chatting with you, uh, and um, you know, all the best this year. We 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 uh, we hope that you have a banner year this year to be the best year you have ever, uh, right. and continue and continue that growth trajectory. Thank we you. enjoyed the conversation. Good talking to you. Yeah, thanks. Likewise.